0: Chapters Nine and Ten of the Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine, The Embassy of Geoffrey Heron. Within that week, the house party at Hollyhoaks broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Marshall returned to their own house, which was only four miles away. Jenny Braun went back to Bedford Park and the family of nine, and Geoffrey Heron took his way to his London chambers. So Ruth was left to the society of her father, and she made up her mind that she would say no more about Neil. Indeed, she half intimated to Mr. Cass that she might, after all, marry her other lover, an intimation which delighted the worthy merchant beyond words. "'You are a sensible girl, after all, Ruth,' he said. "'Believe me, you would do wisely. You see, my love, you could not have been really in love with Webster since you have so soon forgotten him.' She answered him meekly enough, i dare say you are right papa neil has behaved very badly to me and i think no more of him poor fellow sighed mr cass really papa exclaimed the girl you are difficult to please at your desire i have given him up now you think i have treated him badly my dear i said nothing of the sort protested the embarrassed mr cass all the same i wish he had not set his heart on you oh he has not done that or he would not have been so ready to give me up my dear you do not understand ruth went away thinking over this last speech no she murmured to herself i do not understand but i shall soon i ought to hear from geoffrey in a few days after all i am really beginning to think i like him better than neil what jenny said was quite right although i would not for the world acknowledge it to her I am not the wife for a man like him i want to be considered and i am sure geoffrey would do all in his power to please me and make me happy neil well i think he might have been rather a trial a week after neil's departure mr cass received a letter from him which caused the worthy merchant much perplexity he shut himself up in his library to think it over Webster had gone away with the fullest intention of proving his mother's innocence, yet this short letter intimated that he had abandoned the idea. "'I have seen my mother,' he wrote, "'and I see it is best to take your advice and let sleeping dogs lie. I am going abroad shortly, and it is not likely that I shall see you for many months. Never again will I come to your house, and I only hope that you will impress upon Ruth the necessity of forgetting me as speedily as possible.' i cannot trust myself to see her again so i must leave this task to you poor lad sighed mr cass as he finished the letter it is bitter for him that he should have to suffer for the sins of his parents but i wonder why he has stopped short in his endeavour to prove mrs jenner's innocence what can she have said to him i have a good mind to see him or her he added as an afterthought then changed his mind no it would only revive sad memories the matter is settled by this letter and it is best to let sleeping dogs lie i will think no more of it so he said but so he did not do his conscience frequently took pleasure in reminding him of the whole story and despite all his philosophical resolves to let sleeping dogs lie he knew very well that he ought to rouse them but this he could not bring himself to do too much was at stake and a bolder man than Mr Cass would have shrank from the consequences. In this frame of mind he did his best to argue that he was right, and he failed in the attempt. Meanwhile Geoffrey was in town. He had learnt from Ruth that Neil occupied rooms in the Waverley Hotel in Cherry Square, a quiet, unpretentious establishment. Three times Heron called at the hotel only to be told that Mr Webster was out of town. The fourth time he was more lucky and found the young man at home neil webster looked extremely ill dark circles under his eyes told of sleepless nights and his restless movements hinted at a nervous system which had gone to pieces moreover his lips were dry his eyes feverishly bright the room was luxuriously furnished the prevailing colour was a dark red and on the walls were hung portraits of his favourite composers curiously enough the furniture was upholstered in a soft shade of gray the effect of which in the warm tinted room was to say the least of it somewhat odd a revolving bookcase filled with books mostly of poems stood near louis quinze escritoire. but the glory of the room was a magnificent grand piano standing alone at one end of the apartment i suppose you are surprised to see me webster said the young squire abruptly well i must admit that i am we could hardly be called the best of friends at any time i think still we have not been enemies webster because two men may happen to be rivals they need not have a bad opinion of each other you are very good neil said faintly don't be sarcastic there is no need i assure you the remark made webster laugh why do you laugh asked the other sharply i was wondering whether i could make a friend of you and the thought of our relative positions with miss cass made me scout the possibility we can never be friends why not i like you very well i don't see why you should be so bitter to me i am not bitter in fact you would be my friend i think if it were not for miss cass i am ready to be your friend in any case said heron quickly and don't think me a mean brute to hate a man because he is more lucky than i Lucky." sighed neil sitting up heaven help you if you are not a luckier man than i well when we know one another better we may be friends i need one badly enough heaven knows but first of all to pave the way to our better acquaintance why have you come here i will answer you frankly miss cass has informed me that you have broken off your engagement to her now you know that i am very much in love with her and that i wish her to be my wife she loves you i think no pardon me webster said lifting one thin hand she does not really care for me i have come to that conclusion after much thought she admires my talents but you possess what wins a woman's eyes and her heart in the long run strength you are complimentary heron said good-humouredly but i think most women would admire you all i want to know is whether your engagement with miss gass is really at an end because in that case i'll sail in and try my luck webster leant back it was hard to give up this girl and although he had really done so yet there was the official announcement to be made but it had to be done for knowing what he knew he felt that no truly honest man in his place would hold her to her promise so neil braced himself up to make the sacrifice and spoke out with decision my engagement to miss cass is at an end he said she will never be my wife nor is it probable that i shall ever see her again she is free to marry you indeed i hope she will and here his voice quivered i wish you joy well heron said thoughtfully i can't deny that i am glad to hear this for ruth cass is all the world and more to me at the same time i am sorry for i can see that you feel this very deeply Is it of your own free will that you do this? And he eyed Webster curiously. In one way it is, in another it is not. A few weeks ago I had a right to marry her. Now I have none. Can I help you? Heron asked. No, no, impossible. The man was so shaken and ill that Geoffrey asked no more questions. He went over and shook hands. As you have withdrawn, I will try my luck. But I also may fail, and if I do, I hope I shall bear the disappointment as well as you do. If you will allow me, I will come and see you again. I shall be glad to see you, but are you not going back to Hollyoaks? No, replied Geoffrey. I shall be in town for a week or so, and if I can see you again, so much the better. Come by all means, then. I am usually at home during the evening. I'm afraid I can't ask you to dine just now. I really do not feel well enough. That's all right, Heron said brightly. I know you feel bad, but you have behaved like a Briton. That which Geoffrey thought, there could not be a higher praise. And if I can help you in any way, I will. I have an idea, you know, that we shall be friends after all. We have made a good start, anyhow, said Neil. Good-bye. When Geoffrey had gone, the unhappy man buried his face in the sofa cushions and wept bitterly. He had crushed down his feelings throughout the interview, but now nature would have her way. Oh, heavens, he wailed, shall I never know peace again? Chapter 10 The Great Secret It was small wonder that Neil had decided to give Ruth up. For the first time he saw what he was, a miserable creature who in marrying would be committing a deadly sin. It was not to be thought of and he thanked heaven that he had self-command sufficient to put temptation away from him his renunciation of her was to him the least of his sorrows he found some comfort in the visits of geoffrey heron who came almost every day and sat long with the unfortunate man although he could not in the least understand his sufferings but he strove to talk of general subjects which would draw his mind away from the one on which he was brooding and in the main he succeeded though when he had gone Neil always relapsed into the torture of thought whence he had been drawn for the moment. During these visits Neil observed his visitor closely, and very soon came to the conclusion that he was a right good fellow with vastly more heart than the general mass of humanity. Once or twice he found himself on the point of confiding in him and asking his advice, but a feeling of dread withheld him. He liked Heron, he enjoyed his company, and he was afraid of losing him so he tried to put himself aside and insisted that he was not as ill as he looked but the crisis came one evening when geoffrey was with him neil had been very ill all day and when the young squire entered shortly after eight o'clock he found him lying on the sofa almost in a fainting condition geoffrey was alarmed i tell you what old chap you should see a doctor he said neil shook his head doctors can do no good all their drugs cannot cure me what is it macbeth says thou canst not minister to a mind diseased but your mind is not diseased how do you know that he clenched his hands i have not told you my secret no and i don't want to know it what you don't want to know why i gave miss cass up no for then i should have to tell her she would get it out of me in some way you know what women are i know what one woman is at least and she is a mother murmured neil no you must not tell ruth it could do no good and might do much harm then speak of something else you are exciting yourself unnecessarily even as he spoke the nerve-storm came on with unusual violence the wretched man seemed possessed by seven demons which tore him in pieces he rose from his seat and strode furiously about the room trying to prevent himself from crying out finally he dropped exhausted into a chair and sobbed violently geoffrey heron quite astonished at this outburst hastily got a glass of water but in seizing it webster broke it with the strength of his grasp i must tell you i must he panted i must tell someone or die my mother is in prison on a charge of murder She was accused of killing, killing, I say, my father. And he fell back, weeping, trembling, completely crushed. Good heavens! cried Heron, stepping back. His pity for the poor young fellow was sincere, and now he felt he could understand in some degree what a torture his life had been to him. He could understand, moreover, why Neil had surrendered all claim to the hand of Ruth. You, you... Won't tell her, no. On my honour, I won't," said Geoffrey. "I wish you had not told me, but now that I do know, your secret is, at any rate, safe with me." The valerian," said Neil, nodding towards the sideboard. And while Heron got it, he loosened his collar and drenched himself with cold water. Then he mixed a stiff dose of the drug and drank it with a sigh of relief. Heron looked at him anxiously. "I had better go now, hadn't I?" he said you must go to bed to-morrow morning no no i shall be all right soon the valerian will soothe me i have told you so much that i must tell you all i should have said nothing about it but for the nervous fit which came over me just now sit down accordingly geoffrey waited lighting a cigar the while now that the information had been imparted to him almost against webster's will he was anxious to hear the whole story He determined that ruth at least should never know it try as she might she would never get it out of him he made up his mind too that he would be a friend to the unfortunate creature who was so cruelly afflicted not only that but he would give what advice and aid lay in his power to ameliorate the situation but he doubted whether the position could be amended neil thanked him by a look and returned to his sofa in a quieter frame of mind the fury of the attack had left him weak and faint but he insisted on speaking and as he did so his strength gradually came back To Geoffrey this sudden recuperation seemed a little short of miraculous for he was quite unaware of the power of the nerves to recover themselves I had better begin by asking you a few questions he began But are you sure you are strong enough I shall be all right directly The truth has to be told now and moreover I want your advice i'll do anything in my power heron said you are a good fellow how i have misunderstood you well i will repay you by giving up ruth to you i shall never marry her nor indeed any one heaven help me why not geoffrey asked you have seen what i am what sort of husband or father should i make but this is beside the point hear what i have to tell and advise me what to do in the first place do you know the turnpike house great heavens are you talking about that murder yes i dare say you remember it remember it i should think so why nothing was talked about at west ham for months but that crime a man was found in the house stabbed to the heart his wife was accused of the murder she was taken with her child while trying to escape yes was the calm reply my father was the murdered man my mother was the woman accused of the crime and i the child then your name is jenner yes a name to be proud of is it not but i have not the courage to take it ah he shuddered think if all that were known how could i appear in public people would come not to hear me play but to see a man who had been connected with a mysterious crime Whose mother was suffering punishment for that crime? I should kill myself if it were known. There will be no need to kill yourself. You are absolutely safe with me. But if Ruth should ask you, Ruth shall never hear it from me when I said just now that she might cajole me, I was thinking of trivial things, but this terrible story shall remain a secret for ever. You can speak to me as you would to a confessor. There are some things Webster which a man does not do and this is one of them. I am glad you have told me. I am glad you know, sighed Neil. It will ease my mind to tell you all. Now listen, and he recounted all the circumstances, his dream, and the causes which had led up to his identification as the son of the accused woman. Geoffrey was more startled than ever, especially when Mr. Cass's name was mentioned. And does he know all this? he asked. Then, in reply to Neil's nod, he added, "'No wonder he would not let you marry his daughter.' "'No wonder,' said the young man bitterly. "'Touch pitch and defile yourself.' "'But it was not he who stopped the marriage. "'It was myself. "'I would rather die than marry. "'See what I am. "'A mass of nerves. "'Think of the terrible history of my parents. "'Then imagine me asking any woman to share my misery. "'Well, now that you know all, what do you say?' heron looked rather helplessly at him what can i say he remarked hesitatingly it seems that your mother murdered your father under great provocation and is now in prison well i think it would be best for you to put the matter out of your head and go abroad it is not the slightest use you seeing her i have already done so neil said quietly geoffrey started from his seat you visited her in prison he asked "Yes." I learnt where she was from Mr. Cass, and I went to see her at once. For I loved my mother as much as I hated my father. Poor mother! Her hair is white now, and her face lined. But she was mad with joy at first on seeing me, and then very angry. Why was she angry? Ah, that is the strangest part of the whole affair. I am now going to tell you something that no one else knows, not even Mr. Cass. Fire ahead. "'When I went to the prison,' Neil continued, "'I did not believe that my mother was guilty. Cass had told me she was, but I did not agree with him. "'Only from her own lips would I learn the truth, "'and to the prison I went in order to learn it. "'I saw the governor and asked to see Mrs. Jenner, "'but did not give my real name. "'I merely said that I was a distant relative of hers "'and wanted an interview. "'Well, I saw her, alone. "'Were you allowed to do that?' I thought.' that a woman warder would be present well one was but she stayed outside the door where she could hear little if anything we were practically alone did she recognize you at once ah heron you don't know what a mother's love is yes she knew me for i am the very image of what she was in youth i have her fair hair and blue eyes but not her good looks she knew me but she would only half admit it why was that well for one reason because the warder was outside and she did not wish our relationship known another was that she feared to give way altogether if she once said that i was her son so all the time she addressed me as mr webster and she talked of her son to me she must be a woman of wonderful self-command said geoffrey now thoroughly interested a woman in a thousand as you will admit before i have done ah what a mother was there ever such a noble creature well addressing me always as i have said she said that her son had been taken away to be brought up by mr cass in ignorance of his parentage and that this had been done at her own special request she did not want her son ever to know of her existence or of her history nor did she ever wish to see him she was dead to him and desired that he should regard her as dead also a painful position for you heaven knows how painful he was sitting up now and speaking rapidly I fell into her humor, for her eyes warned me to do that. Besides, she stood aloof and refused to respond to my feelings. I accepted the situation and told her that her son was a violinist and famous. I am afraid I talked a great deal too much about myself, and in a boastful vein, too. But you will understand that, Heron. I wanted to give her all the joy I could. I wanted to prove to her that her sacrifice had not been in vain. Sacrifice? What on earth do you mean by that? Ah, now comes the most painful part of the story. I asked her if she were truly guilty, but she refused to answer. And I knew in my heart that she was innocent. I saw a look in her eyes which asked how I, her own son, could dare to doubt her innocence. But not a word did she say. And you, what did you say? I told her, still in the character of a relative, that I did not believe she killed Jenner for by that name I spoke of him, and I declared that I intended to devote my life to proving her innocence and that I was about to reopen the case. "'What happened then?' asked Geoffrey, seeing from the growing agitation of the young man that he was coming to the crisis of his painful tale. She became angry and was violently moved. After glancing at the door, she abandoned the attitude she had taken up of treating me as a stranger and forbade me to reopen the case. She commanded me to leave things as they were i refused i swore that i would set her free in a low voice she implored me to let the matter rest again i refused and in spite of all that she could say i held to my purpose by this time as you will understand we had abandoned our masks at last she clapped her hands and said that there was no help for it no help for what i am about to tell you she caught me by the hand and bent forward to speak in a whisper and these are her very words do nothing i suffer for your sake great heavens do you mean to say that she hinted that it was you who killed him she did more than hint she said that i did she told me that on that night she had gone away to get some money for my father that while she was in another part of the house she heard a cry and came back to the room to find me there standing beside the dead body of my father the knife still in my hand She was certain that I had done it, for earlier in the evening I had rushed at him with the same knife. Seeing that my hatred for him was in part her work, she determined to save me, and rushed away into the night and the mist with me in her arms. She was taken and accused of the crime. For my sake she held her tongue and suffered. No one knows this, not even Mister Cass, to whom she gave me that I might be brought up by a good man. All this she told me in a low, hurried voice. Then she bade me leave matters as they were, or her curse would be upon me. I promised to do nothing. She made me promise. Then I left her. Since then, oh, what a life has been mine! And he flung himself on the sofa to bury his face in the cushions. Heron pitied him sincerely. Are you sure that this is true? he asked. For it seems to me that if you really had been guilty of killing your father, you would have remembered something about it no i do not think so i am subject to trances and on that night agitated as i was by the sight of my father i fell into one i must have done the thing as in a dream then passed at once into the fever which robbed me of my memory until it was revived by the dream i can remember my childhood now but i certainly remember nothing about the murder my last memory is that of rushing at my father with the knife with which i afterwards killed him it must be true yes i am a criminal nonsense a boy of ten and mad for the time being you are not a criminal no one could say so if your mother had been wise she would have told the truth so as to save herself she preferred to save me and if she had explained all this who would have believed her no one she would simply have been accused of trying to prove me guilty in order to hide her own sin but now that you know all i want to have your advice how am i to act leave things as they are geoffrey said promptly but my mother is innocent i know if what she says is true i believe it neil cried i really believe it ah but will any one else to me i confess it seems a trifle far-fetched even if you came forward and accused yourself the whole story rests on her evidence and you will not be believed no webster leave the matter as it stands and stick to the name you are known by your mother wishes it and since she has done so much for you it is only right you should obey her i don't know what to do neil clasped his hands shall i remain silent take my advice and remain silent heron replied and he meant what he said and remember he added that i am always your friend End of chapters 9 and 10